the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 124. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay today. I'm glad we didn't record this yesterday because I had a little emotional fit, but, um, today, but I, but I had it and now it's over and I feel so much better today. (laughs) Worked it out. I worked it out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is is it hot there too? And having a fit like that doesn't go together. Right. Right. So I keep visualizing that I'm walking into a fire because it actually feels like that when you open the door to even walk outside your car. And, uh, you know, I'm also, my body also feels like a convection oven. Um, so fire is a metaphor, but uh-huh. <laughs> it's also physically just freaking hot. Yeah. And, um, it's really pushing my, <laughs> pushing me to a, an edge. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining you right now. Cause I saw on your Instagram, how you were wearing a slip, like one of those yeah. uh-huh. slip uh-huh. long luxurious slips that my mom used to wear. And that yeah. you answered the door in it. Right lucky person on the other end of that door. <laughs> that's what I thought. I thought, look at sexy Sandra and that little slip. That's so, that's yeah. Right. Right. And my lady answering the door looking like you. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> at the same time, my armpits are like sweating <laughs> and you know, my hair is greasy and up because I mean, it's just you, you know, cold showers help, but I'm telling you, I know that I know that I sometimes I feel like it's only a shallow person that complains about the weather, but I feel like other middle-aged women listening to this will get it. You'll get it. I mean, it's just, it's more than just the, the temperature outside. I am hot everywhere. Right. Well, um, I started listening to flash, is it flashpoint? Flash count diary. Flash count diary. <laughs> Um, and so I can feel what you're saying, uh, how she just talks about that kind of the heat and the, and the rage. Yes. <laughs> so maybe that's, I experienced all of that yesterday. I sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a good, uh, thank you for that. Rec- you've just been giving me great recommendations. So I finished educated. I started that, um, I get it right. Flash count diary. Uh-huh. Right. And, uh, yeah. Very good. Yeah, well. okay. I'm sorry that that happened to you. It's all right. No, you don't have to be sorry. It's, um... <laughs> a release. It, well, it's good. A release happened, right? It is a release. And, you know, uh, everyone fared fine <laughs> around here, like kids and husbands. So <laughs> they all made it through. They gave you some space? They gave me some space. Yes. <laughs> they backed away slowly. <laughs> 
smart, very smart family. Yeah, that happens. I have fits too. So yeah, I'm sure one's brewing, but um, more will be revealed. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of kind of how we're doing um, the summer series. We've been getting some nice feedback from from our listeners and thank you. Thank you guys. It's been fun because we we're having fun kind of just riffing every week and picking a little subject and kind of seeing what happens. And, uh, today uh, I was thinking, you know, I, I do a little outline and kind of think of like like some talking points and then just see what's going to happen. But I heard a phrase in the rooms last week that I wanted to share with you and maybe you've already heard it, Sandra, but someone said that they, their sponsor told them not to share shine. Did you mm. that make sense? And I, and, and share shining is when you really work up your share so that it's all perfect. Oh, interesting. You know, for the room that you've got this story and it's really, because to share, sometimes it's hard in the rooms, right? To kind of, to kind of jump in. Uh-huh. And, uh, I thought about that. Like when I sit there and I'm listening to people, I'm like, am I share shining? Like, am I trying to say something that's polished or, you know, then I got thinking about that phrase. And then I have a friend that, that shared, um, you know, she said, well, when I want to share, it feels like double Dutch and it feels like I have to like, okay, you know, like in double Dutch, how you had to like jump in to the jump ropes. Oh, right. <laughs> playground, And you're like, okay. And now, and you, you know, have to kind of be ready, right? Oh, because totally. you're competing for airtime. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that kind of thinking about double Dutch in meetings, I'm thinking, you know, I really try to share only um, if it pertains to the reading yeah. or if there's a newcomer in the room that maybe my story might resonate with. Um, if I have something to say, I'm not just going to talk just to talk. Right. Um, because don't you get annoyed with those people that do? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, yes, but I've, I do. <laughs> well, human. I'm like, it's, that's why when I'm late and I miss the reading, I'm like, I have to go get the book or I'll ask someone next to me, like, what's the topic? Like, what's the, because I want to try to stay on topic and not just download whatever I want to download. And, and, you know, sometimes those things happen. Um, Unless you I have think. the burning desire is what they right. call it. Right, right. Exactly. You really need to get something off your chest. Yeah. So I was thinking about our podcast and the share shining. So I've not been share shining. I just want you to know for the podcast. That's funny. We have our notes, but I'm like, I'm not shining it up. It's like bullet point. Let's just see what happens. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Let's just see. Um, so let's tell our listeners what we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah. We're talking, mm-hmm. talking about summer shifts. Right. That will also involve spaces. Yeah. Yes. And so I think we agreed I was going to start first because I've been dying to talk about this and share a little bit um, without shining it up too much. Um, But I wanted to talk about my new studio and um, it's all built and I moved in, but there was a lot of kind of work that related to my recovery that I realized kind of almost near the end, um, as I was about to move in because I was resisting moving in and I kind of thought about it. And, um, for anybody who doesn't know, I have, um, I have this pink little studio that lives on our property. It's an outbuilding that used to kind of house the well on our property and the previous owners used it as a meditation studio. 
and I did not meditate back in the day, right? I drank and we, we had that little studio for my son to have as a kind of like a play, a playhouse because uh, we didn't have a lot of space inside the house for all of his things. So that's kind of where he would go out and make his worlds is what he used to call it. Like, I'm going to go out and make a world, mom. I'm like, great. <laughs> go out to his studio so and he would here. do his thing. <laughs> and eventually over time, like I took over that space. I'll just fast forward to that because I think I've shared some of this stuff before. So I took over that space and that was before I got sober. It was about a year before I got sober when I started kind of, you know, doodling at the, at the kitchen table and trying to, uh, I started accumulating supplies. Um, my son had been using it as an art studio and, um, I asked him if I could kind of move in some of my stuff and that we could share it. And then over time when he didn't want to go out there anymore and he didn't want to make art anymore, which was around the time I got sober, uh, I just slowly kind of infiltrated the space. Right. Now it's really cozy. It has this beautiful geometric shape window that people really like when I take pictures of it and it's beautiful. Um, when my husband proposed that he was going to build me a new studio, it wasn't just for me that he was building a new studio. He was also building this little outbuilding. It was all going to be in one space. It was like a little shed for him to like keep the lawnmower and keep, you know, gardening supplies and things like that. Mm -hmm. Two thirds of the building is mine and one third is his. And there's a wall that divides it. So it's my own private space, but we were going to be sharing it. So basically he wanted a shed and said, we're going to, I'm going to do this now. Is that all right with you? And I said, okay, but I didn't really, I really wasn't all okay, Sandra. I wasn't all in. Right. I just kind of, um, I was thinking about it. I just jotted down a few words. Like I had strong resistance and at first I didn't really know why. And like upon thinking about it over the, um, the last few weeks and you know, we were working this out with my therapist. Uh, I just, I, I think I just didn't think I was, worthy of it. Like I didn't mm. I felt like it was almost pressure that I was going to um, need to quote unquote, be an artist or to produce something or to, make Oh, you money. were going to have to aspire to some, some kind yeah. of higher place to fill that space and make it worthy of existing. Yeah. Because it wasn't going to be cheap. And so for the, for me also, and, and what I wanted to talk about, which is a little weird, in the sense that I don't really talk about this a lot, but it was about money and kind of the way I think about things with my creative work. Um, I'm lucky my husband works and supports us and my creative money, it does go to pay bills sometimes, but often it's to support like the things that I want to do creatively it pays for my school. I kind of do this cause I feel like I need to in my brain. It's like, I'm going to make money for my art and then I'm going to pay for my schooling. I'm going to pay for, if I go on a retreat somewhere, I'm going to pay for these wood panels to paint on. I'm, it pays for what I do. And I wanted to pay for the studio. And so to pay for the studio, I needed to have classes all summer so that I could pay for the studio. And I did it. And the studio, we, I saved all the receipts like I do and put them in QuickBooks. And the total for my part of the studio, for the two-thirds that is mine, it was about $7,000. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I made in my 
summer courses this summer. I made enough to pay for the studio, which made me feel like I deserved it, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I worked every Saturday this summer and throughout the week in my Facebook groups, like I've worked, I've worked hard and created all the content, but there's a worthiness thing there, Sandra. That's like, you know, my husband was just offering it. He didn't say I had to pay for it. He didn't say I had to jump through any hoops for it. He, he didn't say any of that. So that leads me to my freaking old stories, right? Like right. The stories that I, that I kind of tell myself. And I was thinking like, like I was thinking one of the stories that I tell myself is that I wasn't a very good mom when I was drinking mm-hmm. and I wasn't a very good mom when my son had that pink studio. So that's kind of, I like to be in that space to kind of wallow in that old energy, to be quite honest, to kind of like, well, now I am. So maybe it's almost like I'm trying to like, I don't know how to explain it, um, to make up for it, right? For as many years as I was a shitty mom, maybe I need to just be in this space, you know, as I am now, sober and kind of accountable and present. I felt like it's what I deserved, even though it's like full of spiders, even though it's falling apart, it's just disgusting. Even though it looks real cute on Instagram, I promise you it's kind of grody. And um, on the inside and the windows and the bird crap on one side of the building, like that the birds just flock there. And it's a whole thing. It's not this utopia kind of studio, but it housed me and it felt like a cocoon in early recovery. And I wasn't ready to give it up. Like I didn't want to give it up. I felt like Mm -hmm. I had to hold on really, really tight. I, I, like I said, I thought I didn't deserve a new space because I didn't, that I wasn't a real artist, like that mm-hmm. kind of old story. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have told a story that I'm going to go ahead and say, because I know it's not true, but I also told myself the story that my husband doesn't really support my sobriety. And I've kind of told that story since I got sober. I mean, I've so, told it to you, I know. And that's not true because I I've realized like kind of in this process of him building the studio this summer that my husband's love language is an acts of service. You know, that's how he shows his love. That's how he shows his support. Maybe he hasn't gone to see me get a chip at my AA meeting, but that is not the only measure of how you support your wife who is sober. You know, he, right produces a show for us. He built this beautiful studio for me. Like I need to start changing that story a little bit because um, I have to let go of the old stories. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we started talking about at the beginning of August about letting go. And so the studio, it's been a letting go, Sandra. It's been this whole process of me letting go of the old stories and of the old physical building. And um I don't know. It feels, um, it felt like almost like I was betraying this little pink studio that kind of had housed me while I was healing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, every, every, every time you would ask me like, do you want to do this? What do you think about this? Where do you want the light sockets? Where do you want, or the power outlets or whatever? I just would be like, well, whatever you want, like wherever mm-hmm. you think they should go. And he was like, this is your studio. I'm like, I can't make those decisions. Like I, and Sandra, I'm pretty good at making decisions, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I felt paralyzed. Like I felt like, um, 
well, whatever he wants to give me is fine. I'll just take whatever he gives me. Mm -hmm. So, so I didn't want to move in when it was all done. He was like, you can move in. I'm just like, oh, really? Okay, great. (laughs) So, so we went and talked to, um, our therapist and she was like, what is going on? Like, do you not think that he believes and supports you? Like, is, why is that? Right. The evidence is here yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, yeah, I can relate. Yeah. And I don't know. I felt he pushed me along, like he pushed me along with the studio process. And then, um, what came out of me in therapy is this really bizarre thing and I'll go ahead and share it. Um, but it's just how I process the timing of things. Like, because he was kind of bestowing this new studio and like gifting it to me, this is like this beautiful act of love actually that he's doing and wanting nothing in return, not saying, well, now you got to sell all your paintings or now you better get a show or he didn't say right, anything. Not holding it over your head or yeah, it's not a transaction. No, right. It's not a transaction. It's good. So, um, I started having these memories. Um, and I said, you know, I think this has happened, you know, as we've gone through our marriage, when I was drinking, Steve would, um, well, let's say, um, let's get super personal. He, He wanted to get a vasectomy, right? Only wanted one kid. And I was still kind of postpartum crazy. And I didn't, I didn't want to have a kid to be quite honest with you in the first place. And the idea of having a second one was like, I thought people were insane that had more than one child. Like, cause at the time I wasn't all right in my head. So I was like, sure. Okay. Yeah. You want to get a vasectomy. But then I resented him from that point forward. I felt like he had taken the decision away from me before you had fully decided. Yeah. I wasn't in my right mind. I had a really hard time after I had Grady and even though I agreed to it, he he was like, you were in the room with me. Like, what do you mean you didn't agree to this? He was like, this is news to me. And she's like, just let her say. And I I was like, I feel like you made the decision. And then I also felt shame because I thought, of course you made the decision because I'm not a good wife and I drink too much. And of course you don't want to have another child. I mean, that, that was actually probably a really sound decision, Sandra, at the time. And I resented him for it though. And I held on to it. Mm-hmm. And then I, something not so personal, but it was like, I had this jogging stroller of Grady's. And when, 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 when my husband is ready to get rid of something, like I said, he should have married a Scandinavian woman because he's a minimalist. So like, Grady doesn't need the jogging stroller anymore. Let's donate it. And he put it in the donate pile. Like, I'll take it to the Goodwill tomorrow. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I need to hold on to it a little bit longer. Like I need a, a mourning period. Mm-hmm. I need a transition period. I can't just snap my fingers and it's gone. Do you do that? Like, do you hold on to things? And uh, yeah, totally. And I like to take my time uh, yeah. making decisions like that because right. I don't want to have regret. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to miss the thing, or yeah, I don't want to experience the pain or loss of missing the thing. So yeah, yeah, I do. I hang on to things, relationships, uh, all kinds. <laughs> of things. 
Right. So that's kind of where I was. And so I used just those two examples because they were the, the two that came up. And my therapist was just really beautiful about how she helped me be seen and heard by Steve to know that I'm not ready yet. And that's valuable. And you might have to hold up. You might have to wait for her. She's going to get there. It sounds like she gets there, but she has her own process. And a little bit, my process could be look like the back of the garage is my process, really, Sandra, where things go to, it's like purgatory. Mm -hmm. They're going to go there for a while to kind of marinate and to see how detached I can get from them. If I keep going to the back of the garage and getting the thing out or I need it, then I know I need it. But if it stays in the back of the garage in these piles until I do a Goodwill run, then it's almost like when I go back to pack everything up to go to the Goodwill or to donate it, there's been this process of letting go of mm -hmm. like really fully being ready to release something. But I couldn't put the pink studio in the back of the garage, but <laughs> that's right. kind of what was happening for me. It was like this little kind of purgatory that it was there. And I thought, oh, well, maybe you know, Grady can use it. So that's why I was trying to hang on to it. Like, oh, maybe Grady can use it for a little while. And Grady and I talked about it and he was like, yeah, I could use it, but there's no power out there. Steve had to divert the power. So there's no power, which is another metaphor. So <laughs> the power is only in the white studio. So something, I don't know, after that therapy session, I came home, thought about it for about a day. And then I was like, I'm going to start moving in some paintings. I'm going to start moving in some things. And I kind of just had to surrender to the process that, that, that I'm going to be moving into this new beautiful space. In my mind, I had paid for it. In my mind, I, I did think I deserved it. Um, you know, I got there. It took a little while to get there. Um, but I had to be willing to kind of let go of the old building mm -hmm. and let go of the old space, the old stories. I finally had to... Um, accept and receive like this thing that my husband was offering me. So the moving in, Sandra, you know, my favorite quote from Rich Roll, which I'm sure he got from somewhere else, but the mood follows action. Right. Like as soon as I started moving in, my mood shifted. Sure. And things just started to change. And I felt like I worked hard for that space and that I deserved it. And just this kind of beautiful I don't know. I call it a shift because it felt like it really did feel like a, like a, a shift in consciousness, a shift in like this next phase of my development as a quote unquote creative or an artist or just me. Just, I feel like this whole summer has been this lesson in letting go of a lot of things and to let go of the pink studio is one of those big, um, physical things that could that represented so much of what I've been kind of going through and now I'm all in the white studio I absolutely love it and um and I'm some our friend of ours is going to take the pink building off of our hands and move it to their property and use it as a meditation studio mm, wow so I feel like I've come a long way since the beginning of the summer when he started the project and I think it's just a building, but it really did a lot for my marriage too, mm -hmm. to kind of receive and surrender those old ideas about my, um, about my marriage, I guess, not just necessarily about Steve in particular, but my part in it and how I played a, played a part. So um, I feel like it's all bright white, you know, like I feel 
a little bit reborn. Like it's, it's beautiful. Mm. And I, I deserve yeah. it. <laughs> right. And the fact that of course you needed some encouragement, but to give yourself some space and time to get there. Yeah. There was a, a Wayne Dyer quote that I looked up and it said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Right. And that's from his movie, The Shift. And I thought that's exactly it. Like I had to change the way I was looking at things. And, um, and it felt, felt like, I don't know, like a gift I gave myself. It's been in this slow, beautiful evolution this summer and like us having some time and space to just think and read and go to meetings and do the things that um, help me come to, you know, a more clear realization of kind of where I'm at with things. When I'm busy, I sometimes can't focus on that. And I just keep doing, but um, I'm looking forward to creating in there. I'm looking forward to just kind of owning the space and I don't have any pressure that I have to produce anything. Um, I'm trying to let that go too, because I was thinking about the money and the reason I shared that was like, even that I have to let go of that. I, my husband offered to make me something. Why couldn't I just receive that? (laughs) Well, um, because there's more packed into it than just, than just that. And, and I, and I, I mean, if you could see me, I've been shaking my head like a, like a nut because I've been going through something so eerily similar. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced almost two years worth of content and have over half a million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing and appreciate our weekly consistency, you can be a patron of this show for as little as a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. Well, okay. So I've alluded to this a few times and I've talked about it in my newsletter, but we are going to remodel our house. We're remodeling our house. So we are now at the point where we found the rental space uh, that we're going to have to move into temporarily. We had to sign a year lease, um, even though we're kind of sure that remodel that the remodeling won't take that long. Although, as we all know, if you've ever remodeled your house, you, some of these things are just out of your control. Um, but the architect has assured us that it won't take a year. Uh, we're going to get started soon. Like the permits, um, are about to be the process of pulling the permits are about to be started. Um, we have uh, a little space built in. So I think we have about a month probably to move out of our house, um, temporarily. And so, yeah. So what that kind of looks like is it's not a complete demolition by any stretch, but um, the things that we leave here kind of have to be packed up and out of the way, you know, because they're going to, they're going to paint the whole house and yeah, and all of that. So, um, so Uh, there's a lot of things happening, you know, it's an opportunity obviously to go through every little thing and purge. Um, 
it's also an opportunity to ask yourself the question, you know, okay, well, if I don't need this for an entire year, then do I really need it? <laughs> right. So I, the purgatory. I'm, going through, <laughs> I'm going through the exact same thing that you were talking about, you know, and it's really hard. It, I cannot make those decisions um, in one sitting. I'm, I'm finding yeah. it very difficult, you know, so I'm, I'm keeping about 75% of those, those things mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'm thinking, well, yes, I will need this a year from now. And so we're, we just need to pack it up for now. Um, who knows? Maybe when I embark it a year from now, I'll decide that actually, no, I didn't need that. And I can go ahead and let it go, but that's where it's going to sit in that purgatory place. <laughs> I think that's valuable storage though. Yeah. You know, because putting stuff in storage is a, that is a purgatory and it is, you realize what you can live without um, and, or what you can't. And you're like, I missed this. I didn't even know I missed this, but this could help me do X, Y, and Z, or this needs to be a permanent fixture because yeah, I mean, you'll figure stuff out when you unpack for sure. Right. Right. And, you know, and I experienced something similar to, as the same with you, you know, when I moved into this house, um, and I'm going to get a little personal as well, but um, when I moved into this house, I was a single mom. My son was four. Um, my husband and I, he was not my husband at the time. We had been dating for a little over a year when my son and I moved in. Um, we were both pretty freshly divorced. Uh, actually, we were that's not true. We were both had been separated for an extended amount of time, but we, neither of us had completed our divorces. Um, he had bought this house with his ex-wife. And so I was moving into a house, uh, with, um, furniture that he and his ex-wife had picked out together, um, plates that they had gotten, <laughs> as wedding gifts. Um, wow. So all of the stuff. Pretty much. I mean, whatever kind of doodads and tchotchkes that were out, you know, that weren't um, like, you know, heirlooms of his personal family heirlooms of his, like antiques and whatnot. Um, I got rid of kind of, you know, but there was still – um, you know, uh, the paint color, uh, I didn't pick out, you know, those were things that they had picked out together. Um, so it, it never, it, it didn't feel like mine mm -hmm. really ever. Um, uh, it took me a long time to even unpack my things. In fact, things stayed in boxes, there were, there were boxes still in this house up until just a couple of years ago. And I've lived here, uh, for, um, uh, 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, 13 years. I've lived here for 13 years. No, 12 years. I'm sorry. 12 years, 12 years. And, um, yeah. And it was one of those things that, I had all kinds of stories about that I needed to get over it, that I was lucky to have a place to live mm. that was in a good neighborhood 
that uh, had a good school, had a good school system. Um, I was lucky to uh, have a have a partner that wanted us here, um, that was willing to take on the majority of the bills, um, all those things. And he never, ever told me ever, never did he say you cannot have needs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He never told me you cannot express those needs. Mm -hmm. He never said that ever. He never said you can't paint over that paint color. No, no, no. He never told me that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he never told me that, that. I mean, he built me a studio um, too. Uh, that was, you know, about five. Uh, uh, no, sorry, six years ago. I was, I was still drinking then. Um, so he, he honored the fact that I, you know, had desires and needs and, and could take up space. Um, but yet I hung on to that. I hung on to the fact that I didn't, uh, want to be a bother. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be easy. Um, and, but yet the whole time resentments just built and built and built. And I used those resentments. I hung on to those because that is what fueled my drinking, that kind of martyrdom, um, that sort of, you know, keep keep hanging on to the fact that I was somehow a victim Mm -hmm. fueled my drinking. And if I so much, Sandra, I get that a thousand. Yeah. Because if I faced all of that, then I had to face all kinds of things. You know, and, right, <laughs> including, mm-hmm. yeah, and so, um, so, so same. I can co- totally relate to what you're talking about, and and you know, even when he, um, again honored my creativity and 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 valued it by building me a studio, mm-hmm. um. I, because I kept, because I was so entangled and enmeshed in that, I took all of that out there. Mm, And, um, I, you know, I, I, I I was enmeshed still in that martyrdom and it was like, no, I deserve this space. Um, uh, because I have, I have sacrificed so much of myself for this family. Hmm. And so much of, I had sacrificed, you know, my desires, my voice, my needs. And because I had sacrificed all of those things, then I, uh, I, that was the energy I used to validate that space. And I just, you know, took my drinking out there. Yeah. And yeah. And, um, and then, and I've talked about this, you know, how that space had to shift when I got sober. Um, you know, I couldn't go in there for a while. It was triggering. Yeah. 
and not, you know, there's no surprise there. I mean, it was holding on to so much more than just piles of fabric and empty wine bottles. Um, you know, all of that negative energy was out there. Yeah. It's like it needed to be, um, I mean, as we slowly come into ourselves, right? Because we, it's not a, a, a switch is not flipped. I mean, we're not drinking, but there's so much that has to kind of slowly come um, when you come back into yourself. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, eventually I had to, you know, practically torch it to get back in there. Um, sage it, you know. <laughs> sage that shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I had to rearrange mine, um, vacuum it all because it had, like I said, it's not insulated very well and has spiders and things. But I had to, I had to redecorate it. I had to remove everything around <clears throat> for sure. Mm-hmm. I, get it. I get it. You have to kind of re-inhabit it, right? Own it again, right? And then, um, but our home, I never, I, I still hadn't quite gotten there. Again, it's always a slow, it's a slow reveal for me. Mm-hmm. And even though I can think fast, I'm not, I don't move as fast as I think. And, uh, you know, I had, like I said, I had finally unpacked all the boxes, but still then going back and addressing the walls and, all the things about the house that I wanted to change, it felt too overwhelming. Yeah. Even, you know, la- a year ago, um, it, it just felt too overwhelming. And so fast forward to when the architect um, brought over the, the new plans, you know, which we had, we'd only done one walkthrough with him, but, you know, I really got to say what I wanted the new space to look like and, and mostly how I wanted to feel in that space. Mm -hmm. He totally got it. Mm. And, and, um, when he came over and he, you know, he was, he's good at his job. He looked around and saw that we, um, liked art and we liked books and, um, you know, that coupled with the fact that we, you know, both voiced wanting to have a space to um, entertain friends and family and just have more physical connection with pe- other people in our home. He, he just got it. Plus, we only have a one bathroom. So, that, so mm-hmm. adding another bathroom was really the impetus for the whole thing. And then we got and then I got to actually voice my desires, um, Mm. through that. So when he laid out the, the plans, I I cried and I'm sure, I'm sure that he thought, okay, either I'm the worst architect in Austin (laughs) or I'm the best fucking architect in Austin. (laughs) Oh, Sandra, you were factored in. Yes. That's what my therapist says all the time. Like, you're factored in. You were yeah. seen and heard. You, you, it, it's on paper. It's proof. Right. Oh, right. Love it. And, um, so, so yeah, I, I completely relate, um, 
to all of that. And it is so easy to look at yourself and go, why can't you just step up to that plate? Get Mm -hmm. over it, you know? Mm -hmm. But, oh my God, these things are just, they take time. It is a slow unpeeling or unveiling or, um, you know, whatever it takes. But I find that because we're making this shift, I'm making a shift all over Mm. with a lot of things. And again, it is a slow reveal. I haven't, there's nothing um, definitive, but, um, you know, my relationship to my studio is going to be forced to change. We're going to be living in a whole nother place. So I won't have my studio in the backyard anymore. Right. Um, how is that going to work? What are you, or how are you thinking it's going to work? I know it might change, but. Well, I can drive over here and use it. The electricity is going to be on. Um, but, uh, you know, this thing has been kind of, these things have been leading up to this for a while, Um, but I'm shifting out of a place to where my, just my sewing, my making of garments, (laughs) the actual, that part, Mm -hmm. um, uh, doesn't have to financially support me Mm. so much anymore. And so, because I'm employing these other things like, you know, my, online initiatives and, um, Mm -hmm. my writing and, um, other things that are kind of moving into that space. And so I'm having to shift an entire relationship with, um, with that, uh, and redefining it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying not to think about, you know, like, so is it now, is it a hobby? Is it a side hustle? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I, I can answer some questions. I still love it. Mm. I still can go walk into that studio. Hours can go by that I don't even realize. Um, I can get just completely immersed in, in working out there in creating and sewing and crafting garments. Um, I, truly love it. Mm. And, and so that part has like stayed consistent. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when, um, the financial burden of it is removed. So I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know again, um, more, I guess more will will be revealed. (laughs) Right. As always. (laughs) I had a nickel for every time my sponsor said that to me. And I'm like, all right, all right. But yeah, it's true. More will be revealed and you'll see. I like it, but there's also, I mean, the seasonality of things too, right? In our studios. Yes. There's a time for being out there and making and doing and making garments. And there's a time to be writing and teaching courses and being with your kids in the summer and there's a time, you know, there's all these different, uh, the, the, the seasons really affect the way that I make. And I'm, I've only kind of tuned into that the last year or so, even though I should have known it, but I can kind of track it now and go, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll come back. That'll come yeah. back. Right. And, and I have, I've no, I 
have accepted that. What took me some time to accept is not, is removing um, any sort of like shoulds yeah. or, or guilt or, you know, that I, I should be doing, I should be more productive. Like there's some, I don't know, like I've, I, like I've, I've, I have a hard time um, putting things down and, um, and embracing the, uh, the next thing, the next season. <laughs> it's the purgatory. It's the, it's the transition. It's the in between. It's not easy. I think that, yeah, I, I don't think of purgatory as bliss. You know, I think it's like, it's work. Um, it doesn't have to be as like busy work. It's, it's actually just the work of letting something go, I think has to kind of sit. That's why I always think of like the back of my garage is this place. And that, you know, before we can move on, I made a list when we were doing our letting go episode and I just, um, or whatever we call, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name of our episodes, but when I was making a list of what can I let go? Like, what can I actually release? If I'm going to really work step three, like what can I let go? And I made a big long list, Sandra, and I made little check boxes next to it. And as I started letting things go, oh, I don't have to do a weekly newsletter. Whoever told you you did, Tammy, let that go. Okay. What's next? Oh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to, you know, say yes to every, you know, invitation I'm invited to. I think you taught me that. Oh, good. Okay. I don't have to do this, this, or this. And I started making a physical list of things of what I could let go to help me with the transition. And um, it's been helpful to look at that list because it's like, what's really important to me and what is going to help me make this shift or this transition or what is the next season of my life? Or what is your fall going to look like, right, Sandra, with mm-hmm. moving and changing and the kids going back to school? Like, what will feel good to release, you know? You may not be ready to release it yet, but could, like, get you to that purgatory place where you're just thinking about it. Right. Because you uh, have yes. big plans. I know you have big plans. Yeah, I do. And um, I had to kind of pull back, too, because, you know, my old rewiring – tells me that, oh, you know, you should have the entire house packed up by now and you should, uh, have, uh, you should have, you know, you should be, have all of these garments listed on your, in your marketplace so that you can anticipate the, the separation from the studio and Mm -hmm. you should, you know, and, and I've, I found what I had, I've, what I'm trying to do is, you know, I think I, and I'm sure in, everyone can relate to this. I overestimate what I can do in a day. Yes. <laughs> and I underestimate what I can do in a month mm. <laughs> or two months. Right. And so I finally had to just, and I mean, whatever, list making is not any sort of new technique to anyone. And I'm a list maker, but I finally just had to sit down the other night and say, Sandra, here's all the things that you could potentially do in a month. And let's, I I needed to put my focuses there Mm -hmm. and take it away from what I wasn't accomplishing in a day. Uh, There's a shift, right? Yes. (laughs) In your perspective on how you do things. Yeah. Shifting that from, uh, what you don't do to what you do. Right. Like, yeah. I wasn't going to say do-do, but I guess I just did. That's for Lori. <laughs> That's for Lori Massacott right there. 
Um, yeah, isn't it? It's so how we oh, punish ourselves a little bit. What is that? What is that? Why do we, why do we do that? I mean, we come out of it. It seems like we get there. I get there through talking to you though, Natalie, talking to my girlfriends. I get there. Right. But a little bit. That's where I, it's like, that's, that's the, the baseline is to let's beat ourselves up a little bit. Let's do the, we're not worthy game. And then, <clears throat> and then go from there. But why is that the starting line? Right. For me? I don't know. Uh, hopefully we just keep, <laughs> we keep inching the starting line up a little closer yeah. to <laughs> closer to good. <laughs> I heard from this woman last night at my women's meeting, Sandra, and she writes affirmations in her little steno notebook. She's an, an attorney and um, her share was spoke directly to my heart. You know, she was the gold star blue ribbon um, trophy. Like she, that's, that was her goal. She was an attorney. And so her share just, something about it zapped me. And so after the meeting, talked to her, she shared with me her little affirmation book and said, um, did you know I'm a world-class bodybuilder? And I was like, no, I, I didn't know that. She says, I'm 81 years old. I just got the title. I was like, what? And she says, but you know what I wrote in this affirmation book for years while I was training and doing this stuff? I said, what? <laughs> and she said, I wrote, I am a world-class bodybuilder. I am a world-class bodybuilder. I am a world-class bodybuilder. And she says, and I write that every single day. And I said, I've been writing some things down too in my morning pages. And I was just thinking like when we're talking about this this morning, like I am a sober, dignified woman is what I've been writing lately. And I'm going to write who deserves this studio. <laughs> you know, I, right. <laughs> I deserve, I deserve the space. I deserve to play a little bit bigger. I deserve um, I deserve this space. I've worked hard for it. But when she told me she did that for years in this little notebook that she had, and I was like, that's so cool. So cool. But she's 81 years old, <laughs> sober, and she's a world-class bodybuilder. Wow. So, yeah. There's a shift, right? From your thinking to doing. Right. And I mean, you know, there's still that 98% of your brain that's going, actually, you're not, you're not <laughs> a world-class bodybuilder, but right. But you just have to keep, right. Keep well, you eyes have to do the work. Prize. Right. You have to take yes, the action. Of course you have to take the action. If you're, t yes, if you're claiming that you're the world-class bodybuilder while you're on the couch watching Days of Our Lives. <laughs> I know Days of Our Lives is not on television anymore, but all of my references are to our, you know, 80s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one of the stars of Days of Our Lives was on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, so we know that that's where all my references are going this summer, too. So I understand. I relate to that comment. <laughs> uh, no, but she lifted her, her she deadlifted her own body weight. Wow. She's 81 years old. It's freaking amazing. But that didn't, mood follows action. That woman didn't get there just because she wrote it down. But that started the process, right, of changing her thinking. And since we're talking about shifting, you know, and I just think that's, I found that just fascinating. And I was like, okay, there is power. You know, there's, po there's power in our thoughts, clearly, because we're thinking some of these negative things. And that, that's powerful. And, um, 
and I don't know. So I'm not going to be a bodybuilder, but I can definitely say that I, that I am, a, uh, I am worthy of, of this new space. And you are too. I, I, yes, we are. <laughs> we both are. I have to end this if we're yeah. towards, um, this may be clunky cause I'm going off on the, off the fly here. Yeah. But, uh, so last night at my improv, in my improv class, we learned this um, opening uh, technique called, and it's called invocation. And as you were saying about I am a world-class bodybuilder, mm-hmm. it just totally reminded me of this technique that I learned last night. So it's called invocation. And I had to look up the word just now, invocation. So it, right. So it's the, the action of saying something with authority, right? Okay. Okay. So here's how it works. So you are, maybe, you know what, we're, we're going to apply this improv technique to life because I honestly think I just had this revelation that it is so applicable to life Okay. and what we're talking about right now. So if you're, uh, there's four phases of it. And if your, um, your word or suggestion is studio, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first phase is you say what it is. It is a building with four walls and a roof. And then the second phase of invocation is that you personalize it. You are a place that I walk into and all my creations can become a reality. And the second phase of it is called thou art. And you say this in sort of a Shakespearean tone. You give Uh it that much um, poetic respect, I guess. You kind of assign it some royalty. Um, Thou art the place where I feel the most worthy. Mm -hmm. I'm following you. (laughs) I see me in a big gown and a crown. Go ahead. Yes. And then the final phase is that you assign it like a godlike a godlike quality. Hmm. Uh, uh, I am worthy of creation. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am the queen of this castle. Right. <laughs> I like it. And you just finally sum it up with I am studio. <laughs> So, right. So I think that this is how, this is the exercise now that we can take into life as we are claiming our spaces. Invocation, the action of saying something with authority. Right. I'm going to bring that into my writing. That's good. I've been Uh doing morning pages, so I'm going to, I'm going to have some authority in my writing. There you go. You are writer. Oh, well, this was fun, Sandra. Thank you for sharing. Thank yeah. you for sharing. You, sure. you, you're, I'm glad you went first because you, you helped me go down to a place that I wasn't, <laughs> I, I did not follow my notes whatsoever. So. Ah, 
no share shining for us I did today. Not share shine. You should see my notes. There's, I should send you a picture of it. It looks like crazy town. It looks like a constellation with arrows and circles and a word circle. <laughs> Words crossed out. It looks like uh, I said surrender already. Uh, I, what was my point on that? I don't know what my point was. At. The point <laughs> that I have big arrows going to is that I need to learn to receive. Mm. Mm-hmm. I need to learn to receive a lot of things, messages, prayers, um, studios, uh, love, um, all of it. And mm-hmm. that will help me with our shift. Yes. Yeah. All right, friend. Until right. next week, huh? Yes. Who knows what we're going to show up with next week. (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers, Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.